Hey guys, this is Tyler Padgett. I'm the lead pastor of the Courageous Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. And my hope is that this podcast encourages you, that it builds your faith, and that it pushes you to make a difference. You can join us in person on the weekends, Sundays at 9.30 and 11, at any one of our locations across the Ozarks. Check out our social media pages to find a campus near you. I believe you're listening today for a reason. Let's do this. Turn up the volume and let's go. Come on, give it up for Jesus, y'all. Anybody love that church? I love Courageous. I'm so glad y'all are here. This is how we kick off spring break at the Courageous Church. So glad you guys are here. You grab that for me, Tyler? Thank you, sir. Well, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Brandon. As Jesse said, I'm the campus pastor here on the north side. Everybody online, thank you for tuning in today. I am glad that you are here. So I'm honored to be bringing the first message in this series on I Love My Church. And here's what I want you to know if you catch nothing else today. The church is not just a good idea. The church is a God idea. Okay, I want you to get that. Um, The church has history. And so I'm going to unpack a little bit of that today. But more than anything, I want you to know that the church is not man-made. The church is not a man-made idea. And it's not just a good idea. It is God's idea from the jump. All right. And so I'm going to speak. I'm going to speak straight up to the elephant in the room, because in the past couple of years of transition in all of our lives, we've had to make a decision on how we were going to prioritize our faith. And so if you are here today or you're watching online, congratulations, you have decided that church is important to your life. And, and I, think, I think slowly we're starting to understand that if toilet paper is essential, then church must also be essential. And I think some people are just starting to come to realize that the more stuff I get into, the only thing that's going to help me clean myself back up is not toilet paper, it's going to be God's church. And, uh, I, and I think we're slowly coming to that realization over time. And so because of that, I think there's a new wave of church that's just getting started. And I can say that with confidence because um, <laughs> I don't know if y'all social feeds look like my social feeds, but people need Jesus still. <laughs> um, anybody in the welcome to Facebook? Uh, welcome to Springfield Facebook group. There's a lot of wilding out out here in the 417 Okay, and, and people still need Jesus, and not even just on social. I mean, watch the news for five minutes. Watch the news for five minutes, you'll see people still need Jesus. People still need hope. People still need healing. And so I'm going to say it again, the church is more essential than it's ever been. And some of y'all may look at me like, what is this, what is this, this little boy up here? <laughs> Have the kind of street cred to be talking about the church. Well, I just had a birthday, and so I'm closer to 40 than I am 20. I won't tell you how old I am. <laughs> But I've I've been around the church for a while. I've been around the church for a while. And so I believe that that the church is experiencing a reawakening. I think the church is experiencing, if you want to be real churchy, a revival of, so to say, this idea of people understanding that they need something bigger than them. And I can be confident in this because I think as, as we continue to pull ourselves out of the previous couple of seasons... And therapist's office continue to be booked three months out. And our friends only have so much good advice that they can tell us. And parents begin to navigate I-ready scores that don't make sense. Okay, maybe that's just in my house. And, you know, we, we, we begin to understand that 
the person that we've been spending so much time with, I just found out so much more about you that I had no idea that I knew about you. As people begin to understand what it's like to try to do something new in their life and they go to find hope and healing and purpose and relational connection, the church will be the answer. God's church will be the answer because the church is not just a good idea, the church is God's idea. And now, I'm not going to assume that everybody's as passionate about the church as I am, okay? Um, Because probably just like you, I've been in a lot of jacked up churches too. So I grew up in church. I have been singing in church since I was nine, okay? So I texted my mom yesterday and I told her I was preaching about the church. And there was this one picture at home that I wanted her to find, but she couldn't find it. But she sent me a different one. Y'all put it up there, okay? So it's not the best picture, but it, it, it shows my church growing up. And if you can find me, I'm the guy all the way over here, this little short, stubby guy hiding behind the flowers. And I showed it to Megan. She was like, that's a terrible picture. I was like, they didn't have a photography ministry in my church when I grew up. It's not their fault. <laughs> but leave, leave that up there because I grew up, this is the church I grew up in. I grew up Methodist. And my, uh, my grandparents were Baptists, so we kind of went back and forth through their two churches. And then I'm from Louisiana, so we have godparents called Paran. My Paran was Catholic, so I was in his church sometimes. And then I grew up in Methodist, so this little purple thing right here, that is actually the baptismal. Uh, they don't dunk you in it. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a bowl of water in it, and so I was actually sprinkled when I was a kid. And so when I got in college, I decided that I wanted to be water immersed. And so I joined a Baptist church when I got in college. And then I moved to New Orleans and I got in a full gospel church. So I've been around the church for a minute. And, and I, my love for church really came from singing in the choir. We didn't have a youth group back in the day. That was the youth group. <laughs> okay. We did choir. Like everybody was in the choir. That was every young person in the church. And then the older people were the mentors to us when we grew up in church. And I remember the first time I went to choir rehearsal, it was the first time let me sing. I was nine, and I went to Miss Agnes' house, and, uh, and she was teaching us, yes, Jesus loves me, and that was going to be the first song that we sang. And she had a little piano in her house, and she kind of sat down and started playing it, and it was just as you would imagine it would sound on her piano, kind of rinky-dink. And, uh, <laughs> and she, um, she told me to sing the song, and I started singing the Whitney Houston. Anybody know the Whitney Houston version of Yes, Jesus Loves Me? So my mom wore out the Bodyguard album. And so I didn't know another version other than Whitney's version. And so she started playing a dun, 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 dun. And I'm like, Jesus loves me, this I know. And she's like, that's not it. I was like, I don't know any other song. You're not playing it right. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I have moments like that that I remember growing up from church. And so, you know, mom and dad, grandma, grandpa, I'm going to tell you why church is essential because one day you're going to have an adult that grows up who wants to look back and see pictures of them growing up in church. Like the fact that our Sea Kids team can, can get our children to express joy and we are capturing those moments. One day your children are going to want to look back on those photos and put them on the fridge to understand and then tell their children what it was like growing up in church. Like, I, I love church because I remember going with my grandfather. He was a deacon 
in the Methodist church. And deacon is like a churchy word. That's basically mean he was on the facilities team. He was a care pastor. Uh, he did maintenance. He was the secretary. He did all of that. Um, and in the summertime, we would go to the post office and get the church's mail out the P.O. box. And we would take it to the church. And uh, we, had a, we had a Pepsi machine at the end of the hall. And we would go to the store and get the sodas. We would stock them in the Pepsi machine. You know, I, 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 my mom was an usher in the church. And what that mean then, because we didn't have security, they were law and order. If you know anything about old school ushers in the church, like their, their, their uniforms were color coordinated every week. And if you were chewing gum or chewing on a mint and you cracked it too loud, my mama was on you. You know, my grandmother was a deaconess. So deaconess is basically a woman small group leader, uh, uh, mama of the church. She's on the events team. <laughs> like if I had to break it down, she would pour the, ju the grape juice in the communion cups every Sunday whenever we would take communion. And I remember going home with the extra Welches that they didn't use because, you know, we wanted to, to have the juice. And so I can't be mad when Hudson comes home with a pocket full of communion cups, <laughs> you know? Guess he get that from his daddy. <laughs> um, but even all of that, even all of that, and you can take it down. If I'm being honest, I grew up in church and knew all about church, but this idea of church being a God idea didn't really grip my heart. So probably about six years ago, um, because the church has gotten a bad rap, I think, over, over time. But at the same time, I had to come to ask myself one day, you know, because people say, well, the problem with the, with the church is, one day I had to come to ask myself, I was like, the problem with what church? Like, the church we see on TV? Like, what, what church is the problem? Is it the mega church? Like, is it the country church? Like, what church are we referring to? Like, is it my ideas of a church? Is it history's revision of the church? Is it the celebrity limelight of the church? Like, are we going to talk about our ideas of the church? Or when we talk about church, are we going to talk about God's idea of the church? Because God's idea of the church is that it's a place full of people with history and baggage and issues who have decided that Jesus is the only one that can clean them up and fix them up. And so, yes, we bring our issues to church. Where else I'm supposed to bring them? <laughs> Who else is supposed to fix all of my problems other than Jesus? Yes, issues show up at the church because people show up at the church. And here's the thing. I love my church because there's no perfect people. Just a bunch of people trying to make progress. And Pastor Tyler said, so if you're looking for perfect people, they all left a long time ago. Welcome to the Courageous Church, everybody. This is all we got. <laughs> this is all we got. You know, the church is as essential to my life as wings are to Wingstop. You know, thigh bites are a good idea. Maybe. Like, I don't want thigh bites when I go to Wingstop. Like, wings are on a shortage. Obviously, nobody eats Wingstop in here. So, wings are on a shortage. They're really expensive. Wingstop is like, oh, let's try thigh bites. A thigh bite is not a wing. Like, and a boneless wing is not a wing either. It's a chicken nugget. Okay? <laughs> wings are essential to Wingstop. The way church is essential to my life. <laughs> you know, I can, I can do with a lot. I can do without a lot of things in my life. All right. I have led worship with a bad haircut. I can deal with a bad barber. I've led worship with a bad haircut. They got pictures of them. Hopefully we never show them again. You know, I, I can I can live with bad food at a restaurant. You know, I go home and cook or I go to a different restaurant the next time. I can even live without a bad plumber. You know, it might stink for a bit. We are on 
plumber, HVAC guy number five at my house because I got two boys. Make that make sense. Make that make sense. If you know somebody who clean ducks, y'all see me after the, <laughs> y'all see me after church because we got issues in my house. But I, but we still okay. We still okay. I can live with that. It may stink for a while, but I but I can live with that. The thing I can't live without is God's church. I can't live without a church that's not on fire for Jesus. I can't live without a church where there's not a palpable sense of the presence of God. I can't live without God's church because God is essential to my life. And so you might be like, well, Brandon, now you're starting to feel a little bit pretentious talking about the church. And you can call it whatever you want. But church is not a good idea. It is God's idea. And we're going to put some respect on God's church. And when we talk about the litmus test of like, what is church? You cannot separate a God church from the teachings of Jesus. Because the teachings of Jesus is what it was all about from the very beginning. And so the mission of the church, of God's church, has to be synonymous with the mission of Jesus. And so I'm going to take you to the Bible now. So Matthew 28, this is Jesus' words. Okay, and this is some of Jesus' final words. And so Matthew 28, verse 19, he says this. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. And this is my favorite verse of it. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. This is why we do church. Because he didn't say teach these disciples. He said teach these new disciples. Like we don't do this just to gather. Like it took me a couple of years, but contrary to popular belief, we don't do church just to pick up an offering at the end of the day. I used to believe that because that's what people used to say about church. And until I read the word for myself and understood the heart of God, I also realized that the church was more than just trying to get money. Like it's way more significant than that at the end of the day. Jesus says that I came that you may teach new disciples to obey the commands that I've given you. We do this to make Christ followers. We do this to teach you biblical life principles that echo the heart of a loving God who cares for you, who wants your life to be different than it was before you met him. Our mission is Jesus's mission. Jesus said this in Luke 19.10. He said, for the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. We do this for the lost. We do this for the lost. See, there's this, there's this faulty belief that the church didn't show up until after Jesus died. And, and that's like a half truth. That would be like my truth. If I put a whole lot of passion behind it, it will sound like the truth. But that's not the truth. See, this idea of church showed up even before Jesus was dead, buried, and resurrected, and we get the, the church in the book of Acts. It shows up way before that. And so I'm going to rewind you and take you to Scripture. And so I'm going to take you back to Matthew chapter 16, and this is when Jesus was with his disciples, or what we would call a small group today, all right? And he was talking to his disciples, and this is what Jesus tells his crew of 12. So Matthew 16, 18. And now... He says, I'm going to tell you who you really are. And he's talking to one of his guys. He says, you are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church. He says, it's a church so expansive with so much energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep people out. And I love this particular translation because Jesus says, I will put together my church. Jesus takes ownership for the church. 
See, the church was never, Jesus wasn't talking about a mega building. Jesus was talking about a mega people. He was talking about putting together a mega people. We had the grand idea to build buildings, which is also biblical if you want to rewind back to the Old Testament. So the building is also biblical for those of y'all who want to hang out barefoot in the forest and be like, oh, this is my church. (laughs) The building is also biblical at the end of the day. But Jesus talks to to his 12, to Peter. And if I want to rewind you and give you a history lesson in Greek, because that's the language this was originally translated from, Jesus is really saying, if we want to break down the word church, he says, I am going to put together an ecclesia, which means a called out assembly. So Jesus didn't tell Peter, I'm going to put together a building on you. He says, Peter, I'm going to use you to call out an assembly of people who gather and love me. This is the word that we get congregation from. Church is translated congregation. It's translated gathering. People need to gather under a roof. That's why we do it in a building. Jesus says the church is supposed to be so expansive and so full of energy that it doesn't matter what force of darkness is out there. It doesn't matter how evil the days get. It doesn't matter who prefers what. It doesn't matter what force of the universe will be out there. It's going to be so strong, so full of energy, so exciting that hell won't be able to shake it. See, I love my church because my church is real. Or as the P young folks will say, I love my church, no cap. Now, now, (laughs) now, here's the thing. So, because if you're you're under 25-ish, you may not even know what I just said, okay? (laughs) So, when we say no cap, it means no fake, okay? Now, what I've learned is that a lot of people around here saying no cap, and they don't really know what no cap means. So, I went to the Amazon, and I ordered myself a gold tooth. Now, now I'm going to tell you why I had to order one. It's because about... Eight years ago, Megan threw away my gold tooth. When we lived in St. Louis, I was closer to 20 than I was 40 then. Okay. I used to rock every now and then, depending on my fear, I would rock a gold tooth. Now, now this is called a cap, okay? Or what they would call a pull-off. All right. And so when they say no cap, it means that rappers say, you know, my gold tooth is real, it's not a cover-up. It's not a peripheral. It's not something that I slip on and slip off. It's the real thing. So when I say my church is real, no cap, I mean my, my, my church is not fake. It's not something that slips on and slips off. It's a part of who I am. My church is real. It's full of real people. We don't come in one way and then slide it off whenever we go back out. My church is real, no cap. My church is not part of the periphery. My church is the real deal at the end of the day. And, and I love, and, and the reason why I'm giving you that analogy is because when I was reading in the Bible, um, there's a section that talks about the church being on the periphery, and I needed a good illustration, so there you go. You're welcome. Um, and so in the, in the New Testament, there's a letter to the church at Ephesus. That's the book of Ephesians. It's a letter to the church at Ephesus. And in, in, the, in the letter, the letter was talking to that church specifically about their identity, and this is what it says in Ephesians 1.22. It says, at the center, at the core of all of this, Christ rules the church. They were teaching them how to be a church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world, 
The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his purpose. The church is not a pull off. The church is not peripheral. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is the core. The world is on the outside of that. The world was always designed to be in your peripheral vision and God's church was designed to be the main thing. See, at a barbecue, there is banana pudding in his ribs. Okay? Now, the banana pudding usually hits. Okay? But the banana pudding is not the sustenance. You can't just go and eat all the banana pudding. You're going to end up sick, as good as it may be. That's like the, that's like the world to the church. At a barbecue, you better have some ribs. If you want sustenance, you better have some ribs. The church is a rib. Y'all following me? The world is banana pudding. It tastes good. I can eat a lot of it, but it's going to make me sick if that's all I eat. It's not going to sustain me if I don't get something a little chew, a little chew to it. Something that's going to sustain me. The, the church was always meant to be the main thing in our lives. And Paul is telling him, he's calling out the people at Ephesus, and he's telling that church that you are the core, and everything else is around that. And so I need to unpack this lie real quick because, because we like to say stuff like, oh, well, Jesus, you know, you know, he loves the world. He loves everything in the world. That's another kind of half-truth. God has compassion for the world, but the world is full of sin. God hates sin. God has compassion for the world. But Jesus loves his church. Like the examples that you read about the church in the Bible, Jesus calls the church his bride. He is fiercely in love with his church. And here's the way that works. Then how does the church reach the world? Well, God reaches the world through his church. You are the vehicle and the tool that God uses to show compassion to the world. It's through you. It's through you. It's through your changed heart. It's through your changed mind that we go out and the world sees the goodness of what it means to live a life on fire for Jesus. On what it means to live something different than it was before. God has compassion for the world, but he loves his church. See, um, I, I ain't been out to the new high V yet, but word on the street is they got a wall burger in there and it's lit. And, and, and as much as I love burgers and I love the new high V, like high V will never be to me what the church is to me because high V's business model is to make money. The church has got strategy to reach the world. Like, like they have two different mission statements. I will never be fully all in on my job more than I am about God's church because they have two different mission statements. The church's mission statement is the strategy to reach the world. My job has to have a bottom line at the end of the day to be profitable. They will always have an ulterior motive. The church's motive will always be consistent in the same. We're always going to be reaching for people that don't know Jesus. Like, there's no smoke and mirrors when it comes to God's house. I don't have to wonder what it's going to be like. I don't have to wonder if God's going to change his mind about me. He can't change his mind about me. He said, up on this rock, I will build an expansion of people. And that's why we're so full of energy. That's why we're so excited. 
Because this is God's church and it's not a good idea. It's a God idea at the end of the day. And I'm, and I'm reading about Peter and Jesus talking to Peter. I'm like, well, out of all the, all the guys in Jesus' small group, why did he chose Peter? Peter was a hot mess. Well, that's why he chose Peter. But not just that. If, if I want to rewind to the beginning of that conversation with, with Peter when Jesus was talking to Peter. I want to tell you why Jesus decided he was going to tell Peter specifically that you're the one that I'm going to build my church on. And so let's rewind to Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they replied, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And so these were a bunch of like Old Testament prophets and workers that they thought maybe who Jesus could have been. And then Jesus looks at his crew and he says, well, but what about you? He asked, talking to Peter, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, well, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied back to him, well, blessed are you, Simon of Jonah, but this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. Here's what just happens here. See, Jesus found somebody in his crew who undeniably didn't mind confessing and professing the truth of who he is. That's why Jesus told Peter, because Peter had a big mouth, <laughs> because Peter was sassy, because Peter just told it like it was. And Jesus like, if I can get your attitude and flip your heart, you can be something unstoppable. Like, you want to know how to build a movement? Like, you want influence that isn't going to shake? Profess God. You want clout that can't be canceled? Confess that God is the Lord and Savior of your life. And see, this is why the church is the real deal, because God's people are the real deal. See, there's this, there's this common thread in our society and culture right now. And what I've, what I've noticed and seen is that it's this search and this sense for meaning, this, this quench for identity, this quench for recognition, this search for influence, something more significant than what I currently am. Look at me, look at me, somebody look at me. And it's easy if you're living this sequence of events that we're experiencing for the first time to think that this is just a post-COVID problem. But what if I told you that this is not a post-COVID problem? This is not a post-COVID problem. I'm going to take you to an area of the Bible. It's kind of dark to a certain degree. Um, it's almost reading like a lyric diary of a, of a rapper. Um, it, it's, it's, it's dark, but it's like, the innermost, it's like the innermost heart of this rich guy named Solomon who had the clout, who had the money, who had the women, who had the chariots, who had the cars, who had all of that. Listen what he is writing in his diary. He had everything that you could ever want. And he says this in Ecclesiastes 1, verse 2. He says, perfectly pointless, says the teacher. Perfectly pointless. Everything is pointless. What do people gain from all the hard work? All the words are tiring. No one is able to speak. <laughs> the eye isn't satisfied with what we see. The ears aren't filled up by what we hear. And whatever has happened, it's just going to happen again. Whatever has occurred, that's going to just happen again. Listen, the world is in 
absolute hot mess right now. And I don't want to take away the weight of any of that and make it seem like it's not important. However, um, th- this is something that I think that, this, that the current generation that we're living in have to get this awakening in our soul that just because you're experiencing it for the first time does not mean it's the first time it's ever happened to anybody. Like, talk to somebody in the 60s. Talk to somebody in the 70s. Talk to somebody from a different generation. Like, these are cycles that we are going through. Like, you talk to somebody who are older, they'll tell you they have seen famine, war, rumors of war, disease, media perpetuating chaos, rest, cycle again. And who knows when the cycle will end, when Jesus comes back, but until then, then what? Well, here's the thing, until we understand that there is a truth wiser than our truth, and there is something bigger and more significant than what we can develop and create ourselves, we will always soak into the emptiness of what culture is trying to blast all around us. Like, like until we realize that without Jesus, it truly is pointless. Like, we will continue to seek around, walk around searching and looking, and we will end up bored. <laughs> We will end up buried in the weight of stuff. We will end up bound by all of the depression and the stress until we release our need for something to give us our identity. And we understand that Jesus died on the cross and is everything that we will ever need and has everything that we will ever need. And this right here needs to be read until we come to that awakening we will continue to get drowned out by the, by, by the stuff that's all around us. Like we, we're at a generation where we need to be reading our Bibles because nobody's telling us to read our Bibles anymore. One of the reasons why we have physical Bibles up here now is because it's fantastic to have it on your phone. But one day your phone's going to die and you need a Bible that has some highlights in it. <laughs> like I love my phone. I use my phone for my devotional. But when I'm studying, I got a book. <laughs> because contrary to popular belief, this ain't going nowhere. <laughs> like, a status update isn't going to knock my physical Bible <laughs> out of commission. <laughs> like, it, like, it's so significant. Like, I love, I love my church because it's a place to find purpose. Like, everything we do is to get you on the path to purpose. Everything that we've done and designed is to get you on the path to purpose. Listen, our mission as a church, our mission is to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and lead them to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We lead people to next steps in their life. We reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus. We don't just reach them with church. Because again, what church? Without Jesus, what is the church? And I'm preaching this so passionately because some of us need to be able to speak to our coworkers when they say why they don't go to church. Like we need to be able to understand and explain to them a good idea of church, which they might have, and God's idea of the church, which they absolutely need in their lives. Like we, we help people to know God. This is why we do the weekends. Because 95% of people who surrender to Jesus do it on a Sunday morning. Like Sunday morning experiences are so important to what we do. This is, why, this is why the weekend can't just be about us and our preferences. This is why we hold the gospel with a closed hand and the mission is with an open hand. 
This is why there's haze and this is why there's, there's, there's lights and there's music because we don't have stained glass windows anymore. Like that's why we do it. We do it to stay relevant so people will have open hearts when they come in to, to maybe even consider letting Jesus into their heart. Like Sundays are twofold. We worship Jesus, but then we also gather together with each other and we show each other love and we talk about what's going on in our lives. And then we get connected and we help people find freedom. Keep, keep that up the whole time for me. We help people find freedom because we need you to find authentic friends. We need you to find circles where you can be completely transparent. We need you to get connected. And that doesn't happen the first time you show up in a small group. Like some of my closest friends that I've made here at Courageous, we've been here eight years, has been from my consistent interaction in small groups over the course of the years that I've been here. It wasn't just the first group. just wasn't the first couple of weeks. Like some of my best friends in this church have come because we have been doing small group and dad camp and like we've been doing life together for years. And so I know I can trust them now and I can share about the issues that are going on in my life. Like that's why we do groups. Because we want you to unpack the lie that you're the only one going through something. When you believe that lie, the enemy keeps you bound. Like when like. When we came here, I grew up in church, like I tell you, we've been in Courageous about eight years. And I, four weeks in, I went through growth track, joined the worship team, and so I've been on the, on the team for about eight years. But again, I told you, it wasn't until about six years ago that I fully got a grip that church is God's idea. And so because of what, like, that's why I'm completely sold out on Courageous. Like, I'm completely sold out because I've been in tons of churches. And I'm not saying we are God's gift to Springfield. What I'm saying is that God's presence is here and lives in his people. And your life can be transformed here. I am completely convinced. And so as, as the campus pastor, as your campus pastor, here's my call to action to you. If you know that this is your church and you know that since you've been here, God has done something in your life and that God has made a difference in your life, I'm calling on you to make a difference in somebody else's life. Like the the other thing that we do is we help you discover your purpose. That's why we do growth track. We We do growth track to help people unpack their spiritual gifts. You have gifts that are spiritual, not just talents, not just stuff that you're good at, but God has given you spiritual gifts. We do growth track to help you unpack your spiritual gifts because if you're just doing life, being good at stuff, and you are not completely confident that it is a spiritual gift that God has given you, you will change jobs 17 times. I'm just, I'm just speaking. If you're not completely and fully confident and aware of your gifts and your personality, like you will be discontent in life. Like we do growth track to get you plugged in here so that you can begin to make a difference. Like I (laughs) serving in the church, growing up in church, you know, I always had this fear growing up in church that if this is probably not, I didn't think through this example. This is probably not the best example because now I'm a preacher. I was going to say, I thought I was going to be a preacher and then that's that's here I am. But (laughs) I, I always had this, this, this somewhat excitement and fear to take next steps in church because I thought God was going to make me do stuff that I really was either scared of or I really, did, really didn't want to do. Like I thought like saying, oh God, yes, send me, I'll serve. Man, I was going to end up on the mission field in Africa. Y'all, I'm allergic to the sun. That wasn't going to work out. 
that wasn't going to work out. But the longer I've been doing this, the more I understand that if you like people and you love people, God's going to use you to wave at people when they come, come down the steps. Like if you love going to Starbucks and spending your money when you come to church, God's going to use your passion to work in the coffee bar, to serve in the coffee bar and make people coffee. So then when they come into this space for the first time, they kind of have a distraction while they're trying to figure out everything that's going on in the house. Like if, <laughs> if you, if you haven't cleaned up your mouth yet, God's not going to use you in the kids area. <laughs> He's going to let you do you, boo. He's going to let you use your gifts. Like, if you don't like to read, don't worry. God's not going to make you preach. He's going to give you the ability to use the natural things that he has given you to make an eternal difference. So listen, we got growth track one day coming up. We've been doing it several times. It's coming up on March 27th. Here's my goal for this campus. I want at least 25 people to take that next step and make a difference. At least 25 people. Like, Coming in and out of church and not getting involved, that like being at church but not involved in church is a good idea. It's a good idea. To make online church a viable option for just my preference and not for any other reason. I know there's other reasons, but for just my preference, that's a good idea. But that's not a God idea. To be at church and not active in church, that's not a good idea. That's your idea. That's not a God idea. Serving is worship. Like, we don't, we, don't, we don't just sing, we worship. We don't just dance, we praise. Like, we, we don't just wave, we serve. Like, all of those things are considered worship. Why do we do it? Because we know where our honor lies. Our honor lies with heaven, with Jesus. And so I'm asking you today, where does your honor lie? What are you making the biggest thing in your life? Is it God's church? Because that will be his idea for your life. And I'm preaching unapologetically today because I know how God's church has completely changed my life. And I know he can do it for you, too. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like and subscribe. You can even share this on your social media. If you do, tag us at The Courageous Church and share what God is doing in your life. Always remember, God's calling you to be strong and very courageous in all that you do. I hope to see you soon. God bless.